Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OK Ringo, the best podcast about the Beatles. I'm your host, Edward Bell. And I am also your host, Harrison Garcia, and we're really excited to get into this week's main topic. What exactly is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds really about? Uh, drugs. Okay, well, I mean, that's one interpretation. But it's a juicy topic, you know. We got plenty to talk about, and I'm sure there's other people who think it's about maybe, like, the euphoria. No, nope, like, nope, it's definitely about drugs, man. I mean, yes, it probably is, dude, but, like, where's the fun in that, okay? The whole thing with this is just, like, riffing, trying to come up with other stuff. I mean, it could be, like, about a dream about drugs. No, dude, uh, we both know it's about LSD. Lucy, Sky, Diamonds, drugs. I mean, haven't... We've, we've both done acid. Like, you know what it's about. Yeah, no, I know. I've done enough acid to know that we should just explore it, whether there is already an answer or not, you know? Okay, it's about acid. Trip over. Okay, well, fine. I mean, we're like a minute in, and now what are we going to talk about? Literally anything else. you know, post this. Cause I feel like, you know, you and I in the last couple months have talked a lot about sort of like what things are going to look like when we come back. And we're sort of starting to see some of that. Did you see the pictures, you know, a couple weeks ago of the like festival grounds in London that had a socially distant concert? No, I didn't, I didn't see that. So essentially what they did is like, it's this big field where they would usually have a festival and they had a one-off show where they had essentially like, they almost looked like, if you can imagine, like forklifts that had big platforms on them. And each platform had like a rail and like a contained thing for maybe like four or like six people. And that was it. So it was this field with all of these like individual like platforms spread out that people could stand and watch the show. And they said that it worked great. So I think we've seen the future and it's a very, very black mirror looking thing which we knew was coming what do you do when you have to take a leak though you just wave at your forklift driver he lowers you down <laughs> well i don't know if they were like suspended like forklifts but it was like basically like on something like that it was like a freestanding gotcha. like platform yeah it's uh it's interesting man it's really interesting yeah i saw some in northern california some comedy shows are doing like the silent disco thing and I was like, that's actually kind of a good idea because then you can do it outside in even less desirable circumstances, probably. Yeah, how are people sitting, though? Like, are they all... Um, in this case, it was like uh, they had, like, locked off a road and they were getting to use it or whatever, but... Makes sense. Was, the weird thing yeah, about a silent like disco... The, the, yeah, the thing about a silent disco comedy show, though, is that, like... I guess if you were the performer and you didn't have headphones on, you could hear them laughing. Yeah, you would be. I mean, I I always wear headphones when I perform because I got to hear myself in the monitors. <laughs> 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 can I get more of me? Yeah. I mean, if, if we're being honest, that's all stand-up is, is can I get more of me? Yeah. <laughs> like the name of everyone's first record should just be, can I get more of me in my headphones? Because that's all stand-up is. <laughs> It would be accurate. It'd be honest. Yeah, man. Actually, that that I would be a hell of a first name for like anything, though. Can I get more me in my headphones? <laughs> <laughs> Years ago, I used to do this video, like live streaming show at a recording studio, and there was a guy who came in there once who, during soundcheck, 
clearly had a bit like the band the rest of the band told me later that like he does this bit at every sound check where this guy just goes like as he's sound checking his monitor this guy just goes all right can i get a little more talent in my monitor and then like <laughs> laughs like it's the first time he's saying it yeah i mean sound check for any like low level band is always just people running bits yeah it sucks man it's the worst you got the old like testes one two three um all kinds of shit you you played in a band did you ever do vocals did you ever get to do sound check the microphone yeah yeah a bunch and uh, so what did you say during sound check you, did you have a bit no because i'm not a fucking sociopath <laughs> I would just go like, you know, one, two, three, and then I would start singing usually. Because the, th the thing about it, though, is that like, I remember like when I was maybe in high school, someone told me that you should always try to like sound check something that you're actually going to play so that you like know what it'll actually sound like. And I've sort of never forgotten that. You know, like I That's try to actually idea. say, yeah, like I try to say actual like real words in the microphones when I'm sound checking them. I try to actually like run like maybe a full bit if I'm checking something for comedy, because you don't know, like if you just go like one, two, three, four, you don't usually get a very good idea of it. Like you, you sort of should run a whole thing. That's true. I used to do sound for bands and yeah, they would do the one, two, three, four or whatever. And then immediately after their first song, they'd all of a sudden have a million notes for the sound guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna troubleshoot or sound check anything like that, you should do something close to what you're actually going to do. It doesn't make any sense to do it otherwise. It's silly. And that's why every time We're... we sound check, I just hump the stool. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. I mean, like that bit, that bit where you hump the stool for a good seven minutes, I've seen it kill, but it's a little shaky yeah. in the pandemic, dude. People don't that's really want to see stool fucking. <laughs> I got nothing else. You got to you gotta adapt to the times, man. <laughs> Where did, did you run sound at a venue or did you run sound just like four bands, like freelance? Um, I actually did both weirdly, um, but I ran sound at the University of Iowa a bunch. And then I also did, did sound just like independently for bands. I had this one cover band that would like, they had like six people. So they would pay me to go around with them because I just knew what they wanted for the mix. What kind of covers would they play? Um, it was Iowa, so it was a lot of like '90s rock, <laughs> like getting your Pearl Jam, get some Bush in there. Uh, but then, yeah, it was. I mean, that's kind of what Iowa enjoys is all bands that sort of sound like Nickelback, but not Nickelback. You really not like Nickelback, or would they just prefer the thing that Nickelback would remind them of? Um, I don't know because Nickelback's such a punchline that no one really liked it. When I was growing up there, they're more like Godsmack people. <laughs> Ooh, Godsmack. Sully fucking Erna. Godsmack <laughs> is what would happen if Nickelback came from Boston. That's, <laughs> That's the only difference. Yeah. If Nickelback was not Canadian, they would be Godsmack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest Canada is the Boston of North America anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Canada is the Nickelback of North America. <laughs> I mean, no, let's, I mean, everyone knows that, that at this point in September of 2020, the United States is absolutely the nickelback of the world. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Iowa, where I'm from, has like the fastest rising cases. So, you know, we're like leading the, the world. Fastest, so, the fastest rising cases of COVID or just like stupid white supremacy? Which one are you talking <laughs> no, about? No, of COVID. I don't know if they keep numbers on the other, the other stuff. Oh, I think someone does. <laughs> Well, yeah, that their meetings. I'm sure they have a tally of attendance or however they yeah, see, do that's it. That's the fucked up things is they actually have meetings, man. They have legit meetings. They're not even taking good notes, apparently. In Iowa, in the U.S., which is the you know country with the most cases already, so I'm literally going to be from the dumbest place on earth. How does it feel? You know, it feels it feels good. I'm, <laughs> anything <laughs> I do in life, I'm just like, hey, I'm from Iowa. That's. That's, that's a good, it it's a good it's a good perspective man i mean like literally anything you do in life you will have it, it, as long as it doesn't happen in iowa you will have succeeded in some small way so yeah man good for you yeah every day i don't let lick an electrical outlet i consider it a win <laughs> yeah that's excellent i see i come from a place that is the opposite of that uh growing growing up in new york like there's a long lineage of people that have just like you know done a lot of shit and so there's no way I'm ever going to live up to anything like that. So no matter what I accomplish in my life, I'm kind of a failure. Yeah, so that's, that's just one me. way to look at life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's, that's just that's me. That's the cast, everybody. That's, it's done. We're done doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is actually, we're going to release this as episode one, just so everyone knows exactly who they're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy that comes from the dumbest part of the world and a guy that comes from a part of the world that actively probably hates him. Right. It's a podcast by by a cat with a master's degree and a dog that can skateboard. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that is one hundred percent the name of this podcast from here on out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good Spotify description. Get those clips, baby. <laughs> oh man. good buddy of mine has been getting into the shoe game the shoe game i'm familiar so he built a computer from scratch souped it up with a whole bunch of ram and memory so that it basically can buy shoes from nike reebok adidas but also like supreme merch and other drops and basically the game is that you can get bots to do your buying for you and then immediately, and when I say immediately, I mean like immediately turn around and flip this stuff at a profit online somewhere. Right, so does like $1,500 Jordans and stuff come, come from this flipping, right? Yeah, that's exactly where we get those. You know, So he was explaining to me that like a pair of Jordans goes for – let's say ballpark like 200 bucks if you can get a bot that can comb enough websites and all buy them at the same time then if you get a pair you can immediately flip them for some level of profit um and it's this wild sort of game where you have to have your computer that's like farming cookies to make it look more legit when you do captchas <laughs> and all this kind of shit yeah it's a wild game dude it's really crazy yeah that the whole the most alarming thing that out of all that that you just said is that there's computers that can do those 
those captchas things they can do the however you say that word where you have to verify you're a human there's already computers that can do that yes and no he explained it to me and showed me examples of like you can get your bot profile to basically act like a person online enough that it will let you slide either after the first captcha or not at all. So he's got these like bots that will just basically like go on YouTube and just start clicking on things and like watching things. <laughs> yeah, and like go to websites and just start like clicking around and opening up links and doing all this stuff. Three hours. Yeah, exactly. He'll have them scroll for hours and basically like build up credibility and like we'll be a little bit more in a position to look like a real person when the time comes to actually like buy shoes or a Supreme hoodie or whatever it is. That is frightening to me. Um, but as far as the shoe game goes, I fucking I hate that stuff. The it, I don't know. I just how many middlemen are there before a person actually buys the shoes to put them on their feet? It's a very interesting question. And that was my question as well to him. Like if this whole hustle didn't exist, would there be a resale market? And according to him, yes, the demand is so high that no matter what, there are people who want to buy this stuff that aren't able to buy it, who are willing to pay the premium to have it the day it comes out one way or the other. Yeah, that's insane because you just, I mean, really, you're just getting some nerd with a really a faster computer than you to do it for you. Yeah, and there's also a whole subculture of, like, influencers, like Instagram influencers who, like, get uh, massive followings by doing this. And some of them are, like, bot-heavy guys, and some of them aren't. There are, like, some cats who, like, only will try to go on and like buy it without bots and it's like all these videos these kids make and it's like a whole crazy thing it's this whole like wild subculture i had no idea existed so you gonna get in get in on that you're gonna start being an influencer <laughs> i don't know man i feel like there's more interesting ways to be an influencer than like being a shoe guy um like for my buddy james his thing is he just wants to make money on it which is totally yes. understandable some people do stocks some people do shoes yeah exactly that's kind of how he lo he's looking at it so how many pairs of shoes do you own now no more than before <laughs> he got into this game uh but so you, you know i mean i've got sense. i've got some shoes i like my sneakers but like i i wouldn't pay 200 dollars for a pair of jordans like instead i'll pay 50 bucks for like the cool pair of shoes at buffalo exchange or some other hipster ass thrift store, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty underground. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm. I, for me, it's like I don't care about the brand. I don't care about like the hype beast sort of like aspect of it. Like to me, I think it's insane that people pay hundreds, thousands of dollars to get like a hoodie that says Supreme on it. Like that's so dumb to me. Yeah, I totally agree. I would just get a counterfeit one. It'll be it'll be a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? I mean, it's the same thing with like the whole like handbag, high fashion kind of thing. You know. People oh yeah, what's in pawn shop? We saw fake, yeah, like Louis Vuitton bags all the time. So wait, you worked at a pawn shop? Yeah, I didn't. I was the guy that did the computers. I didn't know handbags or anything. But we had a guy basically for everything. They're like, all right, you know handbags. 
you know, like jewelry or whatever. And they could tell what fakes were, or at least they would just act confident enough. <laughs> like, How did no, you become the computer guy at a pawn shop? Like who did you have to kill to get that job? <laughs> I honestly, there's not a huge line uh, to work at a pawn shop. It's pretty short. Um, but how do you become the computer guy specifically? Um, I think just because I was young, and I mean, I was in my twenty, early twenties, and they just assumed I knew about computers because they were in their mid thirties. They were like, "This kid knows more than us." Also, I knew how to set up an eBay store, so then I after uh... computer guy. What kind of stuff would you see? Um, it was mostly stolen. I feel like <laughs> mostly stolen computers. So they're like, you know, it's new stuff. It, but every once in a while, there'd be like something old that came in, like an old iMac or whatever. As far as the whole store, though, like weirder stuff would come in. Like for some reason, we had the wallet from you, me, and Dupree that was only visible during a deleted scene. And we had like this huge frame certificate of authenticity that came with it. So it was like a lot of weird shit. Who sold that? <laughs> it was like a guy that like, you know, it was the kind of guy that collects just like movie memorabilia. So he probably bought it at an auction when they were selling all the props for that movie. You know, it's the kind of guy that has like movie posters like everywhere. Like he's got original movie posters and stuff. Oh man, I just for some reason I just remember that one time we had a sale where it was eight dollar machetes. <laughs> what? How many machetes did you have? I think it was like a dozen, but that's a lot of machetes to get rid of. Like that's a lot. Where did those come from? Who showed up with a dozen machetes to sell? You know they all come. They all act like they're collectors or whatever, but they all look like they could be extras in like that Tiger King documentary fully picturing everything you're saying exactly like it was definitely a guy with a bucket hat is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah i believe you i mean a guy with a bucket hat who's just sitting on some machetes right and those are just the ones he's okay with getting rid of <laughs> you're not gonna pawn the fancy machetes come on no that's the that's the good good stuff you save that for company did the eight dollar machetes sell out Yes, it wasn't like quick, like no, it wasn't like Black Friday. It wasn't, <laughs> it was just people would come in. I don't think people were coming for the machete sale. I don't think we took out newspaper space or anything for it. Um, but when people would come in, they'd be like, no shit, machete <laughs> sale or whatever. So somebody would come in to like buy a used guitar or a jean jacket. And then as they're checking out, they're at the register and they're like, oh, $8 machete. <laughs> Throw it on. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting a used guitar or a jean jacket, you really got to complete that persona. It's true. It's true. I mean, if you got a jean jacket, a machete really does make that whole look pop. Yeah. I saw a sword cane once. That was probably the most impressive. You'd think you'd see more of those, but I think once you get a sword cane, you want to keep that. This guy that came in with the sword cane, like a Doc Brown looking dude, or what? <laughs> yeah, and he was wearing a white lab coat. He kept yelling about the future. <laughs> he, had to, he had to try to pawn his sword cane to buy some plutonium <laughs> yeah yeah you know the guy yeah no i know that guy that guy actually he exists in every town in every part of the world <laughs> there was a period where there, they somebody tried to open a rival pawn shop on like the opposite side of the block but we shut them down they weren't as good as us 
you shut them down just by being good or you shut them down by taking all of your leftover machetes and showing them what for? Yeah, we, we took it. We sold it in the, in the parking lot. No, I think they mostly tried to sell like auto and like hand tools and stuff like that. And it's, it was just a machete town. <laughs> I'm imagining like the battle scenes from like Anchorman, but like pawn shop style. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the world. That's what it was. Yeah, I just I just love like the image of like you at 20 and a bunch of old crusty fucks with machetes on one side of the parking lot. And then on the other side, dudes who are just all like covered in grease, just like like <laughs> like lifting auto parts over their heads, just like ready to throw down in the machete auto part battle of Iowa City circa 2004. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, monkey wrenches flying. You got it. You nailed it. Did anyone ever get like crazy with it? You know, like giving you a sob story or like anything like that? Oh yeah, there's super regulars that would come in <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah, I mean, like there's people that came in and tried to like pawn their toothbrushes and shit because it was that sad. Uh, one thing that <laughs> the pawn store would buy. For some reason, they would actually buy it and resell it. It was uh, Gillette razors. So it would be like <laughs> packs of Gillette razors. They have to be like new in the pack or whatever. But it was clearly like stolen. But it was the ones that they keep in like those pl plastic cases. So you would have had to ask someone to like get them for you. And then you still put them in your pocket and left out, out the store with it. Who's coming into the pawn shop to buy razors? Oh, man, people come in for the most random shit, but I mean, the same kind of people that are selling razors there, if that makes any sense. <laughs> There's just a whole group of people who will only buy and sell razors at pawn shops. There's just a group of people that essentially just buy and sell everything from pawn shops. It's the kind of person that like won't pay full price for anything. Like They got a bargain. 100% of the time. They got to feel like they're getting a deal on something. Yeah, that makes sense. People who, like, can't buy anything big or small without trying to get some sort of deal on it. Yeah, yeah. They're all hustlers. They're all swindlers. Uh, if you had to guess, what do you think the most commonly pawned item was at my pawn store? The one I worked at. This was in Iowa. Iowa Nebraska City. Somewhere. Iowa City. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess, based on your stand-up material, that we're talking swords. It absolutely was a sword. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it, man. That's where that shit comes from, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew as soon as you asked me the question what the answer was going to be. Yeah, just buckets and buckets of swords in the, in the storage facility. I'm talking just sword after sword after sword. <laughs> Now, okay, so run me through how this works. A guy that walks into your Iowa City pawn shop upon a sword, is this a guy who bought this sword because he was into, like, manga and anime and all that kind of stuff? Or is this a guy that, like, has been holding on to this sword for a long time? Like, his grandfather passed it down, et cetera, et cetera. I'd say it's 75%, like, nerd guys, like into anime and like video games and stuff lots, lots of ponytails and neck beards and then right. the yeah the ponytails and neck beards by the way uh <laughs> is the name of my post malone cover band 
Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, the other portion, whatever I said, 25% is guys planning for the end of the world. So they're planning for the end of the world by buying swords and they're now coming into the pawn shop because the end of the world's taking longer than they planned or what? I think they need money in between swords. Like <laughs> some of these guys, it was like very clear that they spent their whole paycheck on a sword. And then like a week into that, they're like, shit, I can't eat with this sword. <laughs> they buy a sword and then like their car breaks down and then you like, you know, get to work to buy more swords exactly that's exactly the, the, the situation or it'd be like ah my kid needs school supplies i gotta get rid of this sword. i guess what i'm getting at is like if you're the kind of guy that are buying swords for the apocalypse you're probably thinking that like guns and other heavy artillery is going to break down like if i'm planning for the apocalypse i'm not buying a sword i'm buying like an automatic weapon you know what i mean yeah, automatic weapon's going to jam on you in that close range, man. you got to be ready with the sword. <laughs> is that the thinking? Is that, is, are these the kind of conversations you used to have? <laughs> well, it's the kind of guys, like, you ask them what they did with it, and they'd always be, like, hanging on their wall. So, like, they have it hung, like, in their living room. That means they have it hung there in case someone intruder comes in or end of the world sort, sort of scenario where your home's being raided. you got a sword right there ready to take that guy down. It does seem to the kind of situation where you'd want to tell people and maybe even tell yourself, oh, this is just for protection. I don't want to use it. But secretly, they really want to use it. Absolutely. It's like the guy that keeps like a baseball bat in the back of his car. He's like, I just really like baseball. He doesn't play baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like how like, you know, in my teens and 20s, I would keep a Conomwell wallet just in case. <laughs> right. That's actually it's very dangerous. Don't do that. You'll, you'll burn a hole in it. Yeah, that's what I was told, and it hasn't been an issue in a while. But yeah, okay. I don't know if that applies to front wallets, though. So, just don't front spit wallets. on the cunt. Do you not? You never use a front wallet. The hell is a front wallet? It's a it's a slim wallet designed to keep in your front pocket, so it doesn't hurt your back. Is it different from a money clip? Um, I mean, it's basically the same thing, but it it, it has like a middle pocket, like you. It's like a combination between like a coin purse and a money clip. Is this some pawn shop info you're giving me? Is this something <laughs> that you buy and sell at the pawn shop a lot, a front wallet? I mean, yeah, we did have them. They were the ones that blocked the RFID stuff. Yeah, because I don't think I've ever had a wallet that wasn't a front wallet. Like, I think I've had wallets that aren't technically front wallets that I put in my front pocket. So I don't. You got that wallet line? That's not sexy. It's got money in it. Isn't it sexy? Isn't that how that works? I guess. Uh, but there's no money in it. Come on. You're, you're putting a back wallet in your front pocket. You're a peasant. You have money. Deal? <laughs> you don't even, you know, all this about shoes. You don't even know how to show your status off with your wallet. None of this is true. None of this well, is my true. point <laughs> from the start of this conversation is I turns out I don't know shit about shoes. I thought I knew a lot about shoes, and then my buddy James filled me in that there's this whole underworld I had no idea existed. Literally, as he was showing all of this to me, I felt sort of like watching John Wick for the first time, where you're like, oh, there's like this whole underworld of people that like normal people don't know existed, you know? Yeah, it seems like at that point, it would be just cheaper if you liked shoes to just get a really good computer than to just keep buying overpriced shoes. But it's a lot of work. You got to put a lot of the work in. You got to create all the accounts. You got to mine the data and the cookies. 
And then you got to actually be ready to do it. He only got into this because he's been working from home because of the pandemic. <laughs> so he's like, screw it. If I'm already going to be sitting here in front of a computer all day, I might as well also be trying to run other hustles on a computer. That, I mean, that totally makes sense when you explain it like that. I used to do something like that with, with eBay where you'd buy and resell like RAM. You could get really cheap for a computer and then just resell it and you'd make like nine bucks or whatever. But if you did it a lot of times, you'd make a lot of money. Was that a game you were into when you were at the pawn shop? Yeah, hell yeah, it was. So you get that pawn shop discount, <laughs> you buy stuff there. <laughs> pawn did you actually make any money? Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually did make a considerable, I paid for like a semester of college that way. That is some thrifty white trash there, Ed. Oh yeah, and like the deeper you go into that world, the deeper the characters you meet because of that. Like... Oh, oh I believe it. <laughs> yeah, just a lot, of, I mean, but it was like a lot of nerdy guys, so it was a lot of... A lot of guys that didn't shower. Like I said before, a lot of uh, ponytails. A lot of guys that are balding and still rocking a ponytail. That's actually my all-time favorite look. The, I call that the community college professor. <laughs> <laughs> I had a professor in college who, no bullshit, would unironically rock a fanny pack. Oh, my God. He was just too early and too late, sort of. The dude was a professor of, like, music theory and jazz. So, yeah, definitely. What did like, the fanny pack look like? Was it colorful? Was it solid? Was it? Uh, I think it was. I think it was a little of both. I mean, it was probably like two or three solid colors, you know. Okay. But it's a lot. It's very similar to like as you're describing this pawn shop to me. I can picture everyone you worked for. I can see what your boss looked like. Like I can smell what the pawn shop smelled like. Because <laughs> all pawn shops have a very distinct odor. Like that is a fact. Yeah, it's despair. That's what that smell is. Oh, absolutely. It's the smell of broken dreams and carpet. That's it. The show's over. It's, it's done. We did it. You did it. We did it. Everyone involved did it. If you're still listening at this point, thank you. We're kind of amazed you're still here. Yeah, and you're probably bored if you're still listening at this point. So if you need any updates on us, our shows, future podcasts, any announcements at all, you can always find those at okringo.com. And that is available anywhere you surf the internet. So whether that's your computer or your phone or your tablets, uh, don't pick up the phone. You're not going to be able to find it on there. But if you've made it far enough to look up okringo.com, you can also look the both of us up on social media. I'm Harrison Graham Sia on the gram. And I'm at Not Made for TV on all socials. And if you're still looking for stuff to do, please go and rate and review us wherever you get podcasts. It, it helps people find us. It doesn't have to be where you get podcasts either. You know, maybe go to Yelp, maybe go to Amazon, you know, review us on there. Pick any product, any product at all. Leave us a review in that product. Uh, it'll be a challenge to find it. Yeah. Um, or if you want to do it on Yelp, uh, I encourage you to find your local post office and then post a review of this podcast there. Yeah, and actually, you want what you want to do is you want to physically write that out on paper and then send that to the post office using a stamp. That'll actually help the post office out quite a bit. Yeah, you help them, you help us, and uh, make sure you address it to the postmaster general. He really needs to hear these. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs>